Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the blessing and curse of a church building. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up those knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and it's my honor to serve as the pastor of Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, full disclosure, the reason we came up with this topic was... We have a very large fundraising event happening here at Central for the building. Yay! Now, admittedly, that festival will have been completed by the time this podcast gets published. Unless I'm really good and can get it done tomorrow. In the next 12 hours. Exactly. (laughs) That's kind of crazy. But we are having a big fundraising festival event on May 4th. If people want to contribute towards that by the end of this podcast, regardless, you can certainly send donations via our website, centralportland.org, in order to help us maintain this big behemoth blessing and curse of a building. Mm-hmm. Okay, so first, let's get right to the heart of the thing. The church building is not the church. Right. The church are the people. Exactly. So Central Lutheran Church is the community of believers who gather within any given space. They could gather anywhere, and they would still be Central Lutheran Church whenever they gather. So a church is not a building. Is that a Lutheran thing? That's a good question. Okay. I know it's a Lutheran thing. All right. I would presume that many other Protestant denominations feel the same, and I would assume Catholic do as well. But we oftentimes get things mixed up together. Oh, we get very wrapped right? up in the building. We get so wrapped up in the building. And, I, and a lot of congregations begin to self-identify through the building mm-hmm. and don't really make the distinguishment between church being people and church being the building mm-hmm. and not being able to understand that you can still exist even if you're not inside a building mm-hmm. as a church. You don't have to have it. But we do. In the same way that people get wrapped up in their home. Oh, yes. Being such a definition of who their family is, that when their family home is no longer the family home, kind of feeling unmoored and untethered, I think congregations can feel that way as well when they begin to wrap their identity more strongly around a facility than around what they believe and what their ministries are. And that's a huge challenge, especially in a place like this, where we have this ginormous behemoth of a building. And it's somewhat iconic, too. It is iconic. It's in, like, lots of different architectural journals, and it's registered historic building in the city of Portland, and we could register nationally if we decide to. So there's lots of different pieces about the architecture and the building itself that holds some identity, mm-hmm. and it's really important that we remember that Central Lutheran is not the building that exists at the corner of mm-hmm. Schuyler and Northeast 21st Avenue. It is not the address. It's not the sum total of it anyway. Right. Okay. So old churches and old cathedrals, and I'm thinking like your Notre Dame's. Mm-hmm. There's a lot about maintenance that they don't have to worry about because that building is the temperature it is, and you're just going to have to put on a coat or take off a sweater, (laughs) depending. (laughs) But the churches that we have in the United States, for the most part, and your more modern churches, Mm -hmm. there are all sorts of issues. So let's start with this particular building. How much does this get used? Because I think people also are misled by the fact that it's not just a Sunday morning thing. And it's more than just the admin and pastor having an office. 
It's a good question, and I think it varies by congregation how much buildings are used throughout the entire week. I know a lot of congregations that really kind of bemoan the fact that their facilities sit empty mm-hmm. through most of the week. Central Lutheran was blessed, so maybe seven, eight years ago, uh-huh. with someone with a real vision of the opportunity of opening up the building and welcoming in lots of building users and different folks to come and help with utility share and community building. And now, many years down the road from that, we now have this rich and pretty incredible partnership with about 25 different organizations Mm -hmm. that regularly come and use our facility. So our building is actively being used from pretty much 8.30, 9 a.m. until about 8.30, 9 p.m. or later every day of the week. That's impressive. Yeah. And it's, I think, a much bigger space than many people realize because you just assume it's mostly worship space, but there's way more going on in this building than that. This is a mid-century modern building, which means it was built and designed in 1950 when the congregation had 500 people in average worship attendance. That's amazing to think about. So the sanctuary was full on Sunday mornings. Uh Our sanctuary holds about 500 people and full Sunday school. I think back to the baby boomer generation who had three and four siblings apiece and you have really full Sunday schools. Mm-hmm. And so the basement was for the little ones and there are dividers downstairs that, that divided the classrooms and the little nooks between the pillars and the church basement. And then the rooms that are now the church offices were more Sunday school rooms and the entire upstairs wing was all Sunday school rooms. Mm-hmm. So we have three floors in this building. And there's two kitchens. There's the downstairs kitchen Mm -hmm. where the women in the 1950s were like, and some gentlemen and some kids helping out down there were really like creating a whole bunch of food and doing amazing things and sending it up. Are you ready for this? The dumbwaiter. I know my kids love the (laughs) dumbwaiter. We have a dumbwaiter here that goes up to the upstairs kitchen and the fellowship hall directly across from the sanctuary. It's a huge building So about 15, 18 years ago, the congregation did a million-dollar renovation where the lighting in the sanctuary was changed, the earthquake work was done to make certain to hold up and stabilize everything for the fellowship hall and the balcony, and they put in some new doors and stuff. And at the time, that's when the tower came down because the tower on this facility is made out of wood and we live in the Pacific <laughs> Let me Northwest. remind you, yes, when it rains a lot, that's not the best building material choice perhaps. Right, not in Portland. So apparently they had a crane that came and pecked it up and like set it down. And when they set it down, it crumbled. Oh, wow. So it was really dangerous. So they did all that work. And because they were starting to do any work at all, Of course, Mm -hmm. you have to make it ADA compliant. Mm -hmm. And so we're lucky enough that we have an elevator now. So our building is completely accessible. The only place that is currently the more challenging to be accessible, although we do have a ramp, is the chancel itself. Oh, sure. Where I preach from and where the organist plays from. So everything else is accessible. We have an elevator. Things are all on the level. It's a pretty spectacular thing to offer, given many historic buildings don't have that accessibility. There's lots and lots of stairs and a lot of buildings. Oh, yeah. Especially going back to those old European cathedrals. 
I'm sure. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine trying to make an old cathedral accessible. No. So all of these things sound very expensive. And if they break, they sound even more expensive. Mm -hmm. You know, is it the cost of having a modern building? I don't know. I mean, I think that buildings that are older than ours have a lot of maintenance challenges and problems as well. I think it's just part and parcel of having buildings. Sure. The larger the downtown church, the higher the bills can get. Mm -hmm. Another piece that is part and parcel, and I would say that in the suburban churches that I've served, we haven't had as large of a facility. We also haven't had as many people coming through sure. or those kinds of pieces. No need for an elevator when you're a single floor church sure. <laughs> kind of a thing. This particular facility has fire sprinklers and a fire alarm panel that's keyed into our phone system. And the digital lines, and we have a line for the elevator that has to be analog, and we, because that way, if all the power goes down, sure. you can still get to the person in the elevator. Sure. You have to have backup power supply so that if all the lights go out, there's emergency lighting that kicks in and lets people be able to leave the building in a safe manner and can recall the elevator from wherever it's at. All of these kinds of pieces... Last year, it all went from being analog to being digital. Mm. And we had been given the warning we were going to have to upgrade and change the fire panel from analog to digital. Mm -hmm. But well, as a homeowner, I realized that there are a lot of these things you know are coming, but you put off as long as possible. You just kind of wait until it ha and then the fire panel shorted. Hey, now you can't wait any and longer. You can't wait any longer. So now not only do you have to upgrade to digital, but the whole fire panel had to be replaced. Oh, man. And there are now laws around things like fire doors. Sure. So a lot of the doors around the building that are propped open, people don't recognize are actually fire doors. And so when the fire system goes off, the little magnet that's holding them propped open will unlatch. Mm -hmm. So the fire doors close. And then there's this big gate that slams down over the main office window kind of area. Uh -huh. And the little contraption that told it to let go broke. Oh, that's fun. Amidst all the stuff that was happening last year. And the elevator was like, I don't know how to talk to the fire panel anymore. <laughs> so that had to be replaced. And then the battery down in the basement died and that had to be replaced. Mm -hmm. We're talking $75,000 mm -hmm. in a year. Yeah, and you haven't even mentioned what I'm sure is a pretty astronomical heating bill for a building of this size. Absolutely. We don't have any way to cool it other than fans. But the heating, we have this really, it's fun. It's a cool, like, if you want to do a steampunk photo shoot, like check <laughs> out our boiler room. the place to be. It's so cool. We have a giant boiler, and the building is actually heated through a system of steam, hot water and steam. Oh, man, that is old school. Right? It's pretty fantastic. So we have this ginormous, huge cast iron boiler, and then we have the way that it gets heated. So one winter, I spent almost 60% of my time just trying to keep the building warm. Mm -hmm. And I was being called the dragon tamer because I started, <laughs> I started calling the dragon puff. I started calling the heater, the boiler, the beast. It makes puff, sense. Mighty dragon. So the dragon and I had some wrestling. So we changed the dragon's food. Mm -hmm. We changed what we fed the dragon. So we stopped using oil and we moved to natural gas. So we have a new burner. 
And we had a member return to the congregation who was a little more, a, a little less afraid of mounting pressure in the system. Mm. And so he let the pressure mount in the system and it like blew all the air out. Oh my. That was up on the second level because we had put in some special like little pieces to let the air blow out up here. And so all the air got blown out of the system and all of a sudden we had heat Whoa. this winter. Like we were getting too hot. And my first year of ministry, I have pictures of me in a hat, gloves, coat, jacket, scarf, hugging a little space heater uh -huh. in my office because it was so cold. I think I couldn't get it above 50 degrees in my office without the space heater. I think I remember visiting you on one of those occasions, and I did not stay long. <laughs> no, it was really cold. It was really, really cold. So now it's almost been too warm, which is crazy to think about. And... Our boiler is leaking. Oh, of so, course it is, so because now, life. Because life. So now it's not the way we're feeding the dragon. It's the dragon itself that sprung a leak. And so we have to repair the dragon. And these kinds of things, I mean, it's piece after piece. And we have so many of these stacking up. I didn't even talk about the sewers yet, right? Like uh -huh. all these little pieces. And you can joke about how many Lutherans does it take to change a light bulb. But when it takes a cherry picker... <laughs> To change yes. a light bulb. They're way up there, people. They're way, way up there. They're so high up there. And when you're changing 200 light bulbs in a sanctuary to relamp the entire sanctuary. The LEDs well, look at better and better if it, it's going to last a really long time. Right. And it takes a special cherry picker and you have to find out how you're going to get it to go up the three stairs onto the chancel. And it can't be too heavy because the chancel can only handle so much weight. Oh, and that's so fun. All the pieces that you have to, and it has to be able to fit through the doors to enter the sanctuary. Because there was one that we could have rented that was two inches too, too tall big. <laughs> to fit. That's a heartbreaker. <laughs> right? And it's little pieces like that that mean it can take a year of research and planning and finding the right place and thousands of dollars just to change the light bulbs. Mm -hmm. And I think when we walk into some of these facilities, when we walk into these buildings, our building is like this. I, I have no doubt that maintaining something like the Keller Auditorium mm -hmm. or any of these large gathering spaces where we have to meet codes and keep things safe and mm -hmm. hold space for people, all of those things kind of tumble into this stuff we don't recognize that is important and critical and boring mm -hmm. and not exciting, certainly not romantic, certainly not super jazzy fun. Yay, I'm so glad I get to ask people to give more money to the building. Mm-hmm. Woo. People want to give money to feed people who are hungry. People want to give money to clothe children. People want to give money to doing something they can see as a change in the world. They don't want to give money to make certain the stinking boiler from 1950 isn't leaking. Mm -hmm. We're tired of patching the boiler. And, and the roof. And the roof. And facilities have to be maintained or you have to walk away from them. Mm -hmm. That's a hard call. So this building... 
as we mentioned earlier, gets used a lot, mm-hmm. which presents its own issues more than just an electricity bill and a mm-hmm. heating bill. Mm-hmm. So we're also talking wear and tear on things. Sure. And I think people would be surprised at the varied numbers and groups that actually come through these doors. Mm-hmm. So who are the kinds of people who come and use this building regularly? Our building gets used by a whole host, lots and lots of music people, because we have a great facility for different music groups. Sure. So we do have a lot of music folks. We have some anonymous groups sure. that have started to come. We have a really fun group called Rain of Glass. They're antique glass collectors. Oh, that's interesting. They've been meeting here for over a decade. They're really fantastic. We have the indoor park here. So Northeast Indoor Park is the basement of our building, which is also our nursery on Sunday mornings. Mm -hmm. And it's a place for like zero to five years old to come and play inside when it's raining. And that's been going on for over 30 years now. We have grandparents who are bringing their grandkids who brought their children. Nice. And so it's on to the third generation of kids playing in the basement. We're a place where music together is also held. So lots of infants and children for that. We just have a huge variety. The Midwifery Council. Um, Wasn't there somebody baking cookies in the basement too for a there while? There was. There was. And she had something happen in her family. And so she's no longer doing that. Portland's first late night cookie delivery place was run out of our church basement. Fantastic. I think especially in a bigger city like Portland is, mm-hmm. having a facility where you can support some of these smaller groups and give them some sort of a meeting space can be a really important and fascinating form of, I don't know, what do you call it? Stewardship? Ministry. Ministry, sure. It really is a ministry. And I, I think f- for us, that's one piece of it is we do a utility share. So the groups are pitching in for utilities. And it's not like you know, contacting the local hotel and asking for a business meeting space. Sure. Right. The whole entire thing is a reasonable cost and affordable for the folks who are going to be participating in the situation. So if you have a book launch or if you have all kinds of different things that have happened around here. Typically, there's a space, and it's somewhat available Mm -hmm. and affordable, Mm -hmm. which is an awesome thing. Yeah. It's becoming a rarity in a city like this. Totally. Here in Portland, there's Tabor Space, which is another congregation that's kind of ahead of the curve on this and leading the way for a lot of us who are considering this. But Tabor Space has great reputation of creating and being an open space for places. That's kind of the way that Central is looking at. It's how we're maintaining. It's how we're keeping our doors open right now. Mm -hmm. You know, our utility share helps to be able to offset our ongoing utilities enough that the congregation is the one who's currently bearing the burden of these extraordinary maintenance expenses, these emergency maintenance expenses. And... We are hoping and praying that we can expand that and help others who see this space as a safe place, as a safe harbor, people who find this to be a collaborative and joyful environment. And those are words that were given to us by our building users. That's not like us. When we asked our building users, well, when you think of Central Portland, what do you think of? And they were words like safe harbor collaborative, joyful, acoustically rich. Nice. And all these beautiful things. And if they can come alongside of us, alongside of Central Lutheran, 
and maintaining the facility, that frees up Central Lutheran to be doing the ministry that we want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I think one of the beautiful things is that Central Lutheran doesn't over-identify with our building anymore. Who we are is a group of people who are passionate about being God in the world and being present with and among and taking advocacy action and people who want to see, who want to step out of the building, really. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that's amazing about Central Lutheran is we want to step out of the building. And in stepping out ourselves, we want to invite others in who need a space that is safe and welcoming. And that means that we need help to maintain it. Sure. And so that's part of this festival that we're doing on Friday. It's a a Central Portland community festival, and it's going to be three hours of awesome groups and all over the building and just a fun night of recognizing how powerful and awesome it is that all of these different groups can work together to keep this kind of a place available for Central Portland as in like Northeast Portland. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're hearing this and it's much later than May 4th. Yeah. I would encourage you, if you're curious and want to learn more, to go to the website. Yeah. And you can find out more about not only the festival that happened, but all the different types of groups that use this space and how you may potentially need a space to be used yourself. Totally. We have the building use page where people can send in their application to use the space. And then you can see on the calendar, if you click on the calendar link, it's packed full. It's packed. It's really packed. And it's not just congregational activities. That's actually our congregational activities are fairly minimal in the (laughs) building (laughs) anymore because we recognize we don't actually always plan ahead enough to get a spot in our building. That's funny. So we meet in other places. That is hilarious. (laughs) Okay, then. Well, if it is so much work and so much money and so much time, why do you have the building? Why do you go through the issues of maintaining it? And I, I think this is the crux of the deal for me right now. As a pastor, I've been really struggling in how much of the best leadership, the best time, and the best resources do I want to be funneling into a facility. And I think that as the church changes in the time in which we are living, there are thousands of pastors asking this question. Do we continue to support maintaining a facility Or do we say farewell to a facility and work with other congregations or let go of it and wander and meet in other ways? What do we do about this? In this particular congregation, in this particular space, in this week, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? (laughs) I personally, and it's hard because I don't know that Central Lutheran members or even Central Portland folks get to experience it in the same way that I do. Because I'm the one who gets to see the person who walks in off the street and says, I saw the rainbow on your Christian church sign. And I had to come in. Mm -hmm. And I decided not to kill myself today. Because this was here. Could you talk to me? That's pretty powerful. Right? That Central Lutheran has created a place in Northeast Portland where not just for our queer advocacy and not just for the advocacy for Palestinians and not just our advocacy for the care for creation, but just the overall enormous amount of grace that this congregation 
has created and imbued into the walls of this place that when people get referred to me or when unchurched people, people who want nothing to do with the Christian church because of how much they've been hurt and how much they've been told they're unworthy and unwanted and undeserving, when those folks walk in this building, they still feel welcome and they still feel safe, and they come and they ask questions that they wouldn't dare ask other Christian places because they don't feel like they will be given respect and love and safety and in digging into the questions. And it's not any one community. I've experienced this across multiple communities who have come into this place, and I've heard the story from multiple minority-identifying communities who have come into this space. And I think The gift that Central Lutheran has created in this facility where people really are welcome to come in and to seek to make the world a better place and to seek to wrestle with questions of faith and with questions of God, I think that is worth maintaining the building. Absolutely. Okay, then, last question. Yep. Do you have a favorite church building? And you don't get to say this one. No, I don't get to say this one. Well, that's too easy. Arg. How about favorite sacred space? Oh, I'll take that. So the facility that probably has the most memory for me mm-hmm. would be there's a chapel, a small chapel space in the Weber Chapel at Susquehanna University in Pennsylvania, Okay, where I went to my undergrad. And there's a tiny little meditation chapel Mm -hmm. off of the main big theater turning chancel massive thing. Sure. There's this little small meditation chapel. And it's where we met on Tuesday nights. And we had what was called Tuesday Night Watch. Nice. In college. And it was in that room that I cried my heart out when I broke up with my significant other. And it was in that room by myself that I spent a lot of time mourning my grandfather's loss. And it was in that room that I decided I wanted to be baptized. So that little room with its special little blocks of stained glass. Fantastic. See, I knew you had a good answer. Yeah. I mean, this building is good. I'm not going to deny it. This sanctuary, at about the time where it is right now, where it's like... Three, four o'clock, getting on towards five right in the summer months so Mm -hmm. that the trees have their leaves on them. Cars are driving by and we get the sparkle hour. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. We'll try to hunt down a video so people can see that on the website. There we go. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about maintaining a church building. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I, and thank you for listening. We will get on to a more spiritual topic next week. If you have suggestions, questions, or thoughts, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org. And if you would like to send a gift in order to support this facility that holds our recording studio yay, here in a closet, feel free to go to our website at centralportland.org and find that online gift button. We would be grateful for your support. Thank you all, and until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you, no matter what.